Welcome everyone to the Reflection Artist Live podcast hosted by myself, Justin Lobato. Set your calendars to tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time where I will be bringing you industry spotlight interviews live from my active detail shop or an industry event. So if you're curious about who is who and what is what in the detail industry, don't forget to subscribe and tune in every Wednesday for some of the most exclusive interviews. Okay, so we are officially live on social media. Uh, Today is June 23rd. We are Reflection Artist Live, number 34. We have special guest Dan Williams, uh, business development co-owner, Owner's Pride. If you haven't heard of Owner's Pride, you'll get to know it now in this episode. But most of all, you'll get to know who Dan is and how he came into the industry and, of course, everything he's done within the industry as well and his path of leading up to, you know, being a big part of Owner's Pride at this point. So thank you, Dan, for being on with us and taking your time out of the day to uh, sit with us and chat. And um, tell us a little bit of how you got involved into the wonderful world of detailing and where it all started. Hey, thank you so much. Um, Pleasure to be here. And uh, I think if I look back on my life, probably one of the first memories of detailing, which my dad busted my balls on this until the day that he died. He had bought a brand new Ford pickup truck and it was blue. And I went out to wash it for him and it had bugs on the front. And I used a green scrubby pad to like wash the entire front of his brand new truck. And, you know, it looked absolutely fine when it was wet. And I definitely got the bugs off. Yeah, looks amazing. um, Look at this, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was. So as I ended up detailing cars, he like really, he razzed me about that uh, the entire time, which was really funny. That was the first and last experience, I'm sure. I never, I have, um, while I had my detailing business, I have paint corrected cars with a very similar situation, which uh, was heartwarming to me. Um, And a funny story to tell the the parent, you know, whose car it was, who didn't find it quite as funny at the time, but I'm sure they're going to look back and they're going to think that's funny. But um, that was like my very first part that I remember. And um, in probably 1984, 84, yeah, 84, 85. I got my first car, which was a 1980 Pontiac Sunbird four cylinder, and it was black. And I used to go out there and probably with some new finish or turtle wax, you know, at the time, and some dish soap, wash that car and hand wax it every weekend. They thought I was going to rub the paint off of it. So I've, um, from the very first time I had a car, I was very, very meticulous with it. That kind of led me up through, um, in my 20s, I went to school, uh, didn't finish, but I went to school at Indiana State and um, had, a, had a blast from what I can remember. <laughs> Moved to Phoenix and um, waited tables all through my 20s and I played music and toured with a band called Polywog out of Phoenix, Arizona. We would play in Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico and California and it was- uh, Wow, that's quite was the was a fun, lifestyle and I lived it to its fullest and partied like a rock star and uh, by the time I was 29 I went to rehab for my second time as uh, I found out over the long run that drinking makes me homeless um, yeah and I moved to uh, feet to San Diego with the band that I had been in and I was about 34 years old and working in restaurants and you know not drinking and partying like I was anymore and it was time to move to the next level. And I just couldn't see myself going into corporate restaurant management. It seemed like a really glorified babysitting position. And um, I- Especially just, when you watch the uppers and how they have to do it and hear all the crap they got to deal with. It's like, ah, eh, yeah, I'm not going to take that route. <laughs> not to mention, you know, you're signing up to work twice as many hours to make the same amount of money. So for it, a fixed it just, pay. <laughs> yeah, it just was not going to be for me. Um, so I had just bought a new truck myself. And I'm sorry if this is a little long-winded. No, no, keep it, keep okay. it going. And I, I failed to mention, new- you've got, you know, and not to interrupt you, but Dan has 19 years experience in this industry. So he has a lot to say, but he also has a lot of background in the industry, which is nice because he's owned his business for 13, 19 in the industry. So, I mean, there's a lot to say. So just want to put that out there. Go ahead. Continue. Okay. Uh, 
well, I got that new truck and my buddy's next door neighbor had a little mobile detailing business. And he said, Hey, I'll put a paint ceiling on that for you, you know, for $400 or, and I was like, wow, that's a good deal. Cause the dealership wanted me to charge me X amount of money. And, uh, and what, what year was this? This was in about maybe Oh three. Okay. I believe. All right. That sounds about right in that timeline of paint sealants. That's why I asked. Yeah. It, it actually was, it was before ceramic coatings. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. I think I was, I think I was there at the dawn of that little piece of history too. Um, I watched him do my truck and I gave him 400 bucks and I was like, I'm pretty meticulous and clean. I think I could do this. That fellow let me ride along with him for two days. And he kind of showed me what he did, went to the store with me. I had $1,100 saved up and we bought some chemicals. Um, I had one of those rounds, you know, Sears buffer things. Um, a big gem orbital polisher. Yeah, but except plastic and cheap. Oh, yeah. The Craftsman <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah where you exactly. change the bonnet on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, that was what I started with. And um, I detailed on my two days off at the restaurant, which were Thursdays and Fridays. And then as I stacked up more work over time, I left that and, you know, I would work one less day at a restaurant and one more day detailing until I got down to one day and they were like, okay, go live your dream. Nice. And that's something that has like followed me all the way through that somebody came and took the time that they did not have to do. And even in the same town, in the same, you know, Ocean Beach, California to like help show me the way to, to make it so I could start my own business. And, um, you know, this is before we had YouTube and um, before Facebook. The only thing we had back then was a, a, a BBS deal, where a message board, and it was called Mobile Works. But, um, you know, so it, it was, I've Almost always like kept like traditional that forums. Exactly. But I, yeah. I've always take, you know, taken that somebody took the time and a similar story happened to me with boats when I was started detailing boats, where a guy who was working next to me just came onto the boat that I was working on and showed me what to do because I was like, do we just rinse this water, this suds into the water here in the ocean? You know, and I, I think that's something that I, I've carried through in one of the most enjoyable parts of the industry in the long run for me is helping other people to, you know, achieve their goals and live vicariously through their accomplishments. Nice. Now with, um, you know, with the detailing, do you feel that, you know, with riding in the vehicle with that person, that individual, do you feel you're on the right track of proper training or were there things that over time that you got more involved and broke away that you learned the right way or was it pretty solid in regards to the foundation of what you learned out the gate? No, I mean, we used some pro products um, <laughs> with no, I mean, and absolutely no offense to that. That's no, no. the line that I started with, but um, I had a, you know, Sears buffer thing and um I had asked him, his name was Robbie, and I asked him about uh, using a rotary buffer. And he's like, you don't need to use that ever. Um, you'll just mess something up. I asked him about claying and he was like, yeah, you don't want to clay things. You'll scratch the paint up. So it was definitely not any kind of a traditional training by any means. But so it now was- about a, the boat situation? Uh, same, the, same idea where you kind of got some guidance, but it wasn't 100%. He was on point. He yeah. really showed me how to go in and clean the insides of the boats, how to always make sure that your bright work is super shiny because that's the first thing the customer is going to see. How to, you know, from the bathrooms and the beds and the laundry in them to the doing the teak uh, flooring on the boats with the part A and part B. He, that guy was really on point. Nice. Nice. How much uh, did you get involved on the on the boat side of detailing versus the automotive? Was it well balanced or did you serve one over the other more? Definitely a lot more cars than boats. Um, but being here in San Diego with so much water around and so many boats, it was always a really cool way to break up my day. I was mobile my entire career. Oh, so, nice. You know, on days when you just go out and wash a boat and then sit down on the boat and chill in the marina for a while. A lot less pressure when you're, you know, a small business and mobile by, your, by yourself mostly. You get to soak up the moment and the atmosphere and you can't replace that. No. Usually a parking lot compared to a boat arena. I think I'd rather be on a boat looking around the arena than the parking lot. Big fat deals sitting on the, on the dock with you. It was pretty neat. Yeah, that's awesome. So 
with that, I mean, and everything you picked up and learned, and I'm sure the business took off. Did you did you grow with the business in regards to employees or did you stay just you and maybe a helper? How did all that work out? So as I, as I really got to go in, I hired somebody on early. I had up to three employees for a while. Um, that, and they were all kind of part-time, so they rotated in and out. And off and on, I would have a helper with me, but at least half of the time, it was just me and my dog, Spike. And um, there was a certain peace and, and simplicity to life that I didn't even realize at the time. Um, and I think that just happens to people over and over where you're living and you're always trying to reach the next rung on the ladder and you, you don't take the time to really appreciate the moment. But being able to hang out with my dog every day, stop and play Frisbee whenever it struck us, um, it made great money. It, there is, it, was, it was a really cool time of life and, and a great foundation to, you know, to get to the next place. I'm sure that helped a lot with your transition, you know, not only from just going from the restaurant atmosphere, but from the from the earlier years of the troubles you were having with alcohol. I'm sure this helped keep you on a path that you were super satisfied with and away from all that nonsense as well. Yeah, a lot less stress when you're, you don't know, have somebody yelling at you to bring them some iced tea, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100 percent. So at what point then over the years um, did you have the opportunity to join up in the industry with, you know, with Opti or, you know, and get, I would say, exposed to that, to being part of that team, because I'm sure that was a good transition from you having your own business into being a part of that brand. Yeah. And much like how I left um, my restaurant job into detailing, it, it was very similar. Um, Ivan LaCroix and myself and um, a fellow named Chris Thomas at the time, we were all like um, reps. I went to SEMA one year by myself and David had a booth there for the first year and it was just him and Chris Thomas. And I was, you know, walking around the floor by myself and I was at his booth. Somebody came up and asked a question. So I just answered it like I worked there and then somebody asked another question. So I weaseled my way behind. And then I came back the next day and the next day, the next year, he was like, Hey, do you want to come to SEMA? And I'll, you know, I'll take care of your whole thing if you come and work the booth. And that's kind of how that, that rolled in. I just kind of weaseled my way in. I always tell the guys working with detailing, you're around so many influential people, whether it's businesses in the industry or your customers who, you know, it, it's a luxury item. So always be on the lookout for opportunities because they just present themselves to you. And, and I could have not done this. I could have just gone and found somebody and screwed off for the, you know, the day or done, you know, whatever. Um, but because I didn't, I saw that opportunity and I, I just jumped on it. So we became, Ivan and uh, Chris and I were all consultants. And then it got to a certain point where I was told, you know, it's time to sell your business and come on full time, which I did. So I had my detailing business for 13, 12 and a half, 13 years. And I ended up selling that to Dustin, who's our Western regional manager. And I tell you, I cannot think of a single person that would have been better to take that business and run with it because he's grown it to twice of what I had, even being mobile. Now he's moving into a shop and really expanding and hiring people. And I still feel he should have left the cartoon logo of my head as the <laughs> logo for the business. But, but seriously, so proud of what he has taken, picked up the ball and run with. Um, that's awesome when you can do that to continue that legacy of what you had started and, and to even make it better, you know, and that's, that's always the hope and dream, right? Somebody else could take this baby and, and grow it into something bigger than what, you know, not say you couldn't, but to watch it from the outside versus being on the inside. Yeah, it, it's fabulous. And, you know, it, that's a really important point also that a lot of the the younger guys in the industry probably don't really think about, but there's going to kind of come a, a time when it's going to physically get harder to detail. And you don't think it is now. And I had a full hip replacement surgery two years ago and just the, the squatting down and doing all of the low parts for me towards the end of my detailing full-time career, it got really, really hard to do. Um, so it's it's important no matter what phase of your business that you're in 
you're always eyeing the future and you know having some kind of a plan. Now I take it just to go back a little bit that you obviously were using Opti products in your business uh, prior to going to SEMA that first year. So that allowed you to be knowledgeable and answer those questions as well, correct? Yeah, I had somehow hooked up with Ivan at a trade show at one point and we became friends. Um, and he was uh, you know, on the Opti train at that time as well. And that, that's another you know, little nugget of wisdom that I try to tell a lot of young detailers. There's so many products out there and there's a lot of great products. But if you can find a company that you, you like the support that you get from the company and the, you know, the philosophy of the company and they have good products and you can become the best with those. Joe Fernandez told me that very early on because I was one of the product jumpers in the early days always thinking I needed to try this new machine or this new polish. And it was going to like somehow turn my buffer into a magic wand. Nope. (laughs) It may or may not make it a little bit easier, maybe a little bit more effective, but at the same day, it's these that are the difference. This, that is the difference. Absolutely. Those are just tools to help us get to the end result. Yeah, obviously better, but that sometimes doesn't change anything. It's cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's cool to get the new stuff. It's cool to try the new stuff. So that way, when you speak on it, you're not speaking on it blindly. You're actually speaking out of experience. But yeah, I agree 100%. So with your time at Opti, what are the different positions that you were able to grow into and play out? So we started there as a consultant uh, while I have my detailing business. And then I became a, a rep or a regional manager for the Western U.S. Um, I was a very key player in developing a dealership program. And that kind of propelled me up to um, vice president of business development at the time. And you know, I learned a ton. Um, the titles that I was given, you know, definitely helped propel me to, to my next phase of life. Well, I can tell you this, that, you know, speaking on the brand while we're on the subject is that, you know, OptiCoat was very instrumental in the industry for for detailing, for ceramic coatings, especially in North America. Uh, To my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that was right around the 2008 timeframe and that the OptiCoat dropped, came out, and it also helped set the stage for ceramic coatings in North America. Am I right? As one of the first leading brands. I believe so. I, I was always under the impression that um, with his background and coming from the uh, paint, uh, making paint, clear coat paints, that he was one of the innovators. And, you know, everybody really nodded the hat to him for changing the detailing industry overall. Um, you know, made there. You didn't used to get paid fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars to do a car. No. Or that. No. No. And that. And then again, that's you know, not to get off subject, but that's that's a number that you could reflect on based on your time and the value of your time, because the product, right? That's just that's secondary. That does help the numbers go up because you're selling a premium service, a premium product, but it's still your time that's invested on doing that application from start to finish to be able to get numbers like you just mentioned, but yes, he helped with that platform. And you guys as a team, I would say, you know, put in that effort as well. You, Ivan, Chris, everybody who was on board at the time of that era to say that that helped propel it because look what the rest of the market's done now with other companies in ceramic. I mean, even owner's pride. I mean, now there's a platform for everybody to stand on because consumers and detailers are buying the crap out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And had no idea at the time. I, you know, I remember having some stuff in a tube and rubbing it on the car, just thinking this is some shenanigans, uh, you know, <laughs> honestly, is kind of what I thought at first, but it, they, the, all the ceramic coatings have, again, just transformed our industry into, I mean, gosh, how many houses is it bought for people? It's definitely been able to set people up with, with capital, promising capital, and, and change their lifestyles, you know, their home life, wife, kids, family, you know, create, you know, uh, vacations and, and things of that nature that you just can't get if you were traditionally detailed. And if you were, you'd have to expand and franchise and 
go super in depth, like a car wash with basic services and employees. <laughs> and how many people, I mean, I've seen a lot of people jump out of a college educated degree job, be it an engineer or, or whatever, to have a detailing business. And that wouldn't have happened before. No, no. And that's, it's crazy to think that because, you know, what we know as, as growing up and being American is, you know, finish high school, go to college, get a degree, have a career. That's always been the momentum as the American dream to say, but to be able to leave all that time, money that was invested into going and through all that, all the way through college, obviously, you know, there's a lot of money involved there um, to leave that to detail, to wash cars. That says a lot. That shows a lot for our industry because there are people who have master degrees. I mean, when we were at Southern Detailers Conference, there was uh, the woman there, Kelly Jones. I mean, she has a master's degree in financial stuff and she's a full-time detailer. That's, just, that's so cool. <laughs> Isn't it? And it's like, there's so much education behind that and so much that was put into it to get to that point. But then you get to this where we have this industry that's flourishing that can do the same, if not better numbers for what somebody would want. And obviously that's self-motivation, but yeah. And I'm sure you've seen that with a lot of people that you've worked with. Yeah. I mean, that's, again, I, I get to live vicariously through a whole bunch of people's successes and failures, you know, for that matter. Some people, some people try and they, they take a swing and I guess everybody can't do it. It takes no. a certain no, but it's neat to be able to be a part and try to help help push people along. That's awesome. And now, as far as your transition with 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 Opti to Owners Pride, how did the opportunity of Owners Pride come about with transitioning from one position to another with brands? So, um, my cheese had been moved where I was. Simple, easy enough, and. Um, needed needed new cheese. So I was definitely hunting for cheese. And Owner's Pride Detail Shop in Omaha actually had been one of my customers when I was a, a regional manager. And so they have a, a, not to interrupt, but that was, you said Owner's Pride was a detail shop. Because I don't think a lot of people understand or know that it was actually a detail shop out the gate before it was this big brand that it is now. Yeah, they were my customers and um, they were, a, you know, a thriving detail shop in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, and Damon, who's the, he's the founder. He's just, uh, I guess he's a guy with always with a bigger vision. And he met Eric. We have a really dynamic team. Like the four main owners of the company are, it, it, they could be like a boy band. You know, you've got, the, you've got the sensitive one who's good with numbers and you've got, you know, the, the sporty one, you, you know what I'm saying? But like, yeah. what's neat is how they're dynamic. So you've got one person that really just fills each of the, the components to make a really good team at the top. Um, so I guess Damon had been at a, a dinner party and he met Eric and Eric was on the dealership side of the world with custom dealer solutions and they started talking and they said, Hey, we should do a business together. And instead of selling other people's products, what we have the connections to ECP and to chemists and um, why don't we make our own line of products? And, you know, instead of selling somebody else's. So they started off developing the whole concept of owner's pride car care products um, and then I had gotten tapped because I was, you know, on the hunt myself and, um, you know, I had some knowledge of the industry and, and good connections and I guess I'm not a douche. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then when you, when you came into being part of owner's pride, uh, what, what positions did have you, you know, what, what did you start out with to where you are now? I know it's been kind of short term comparison to your, your past life with Opti and being, you know, and having your detail business group. What did you start as? Where are you at now with, with the development of it in your position? Um, the, I, I guess I was uh, the hired in as vice president of business development. Now I'm president of business development and a, a minority partner in the business as I've earned my place at the table a little bit. Um, and it, it's been really fun 
And, you know, at 52 years old, this is exactly where I want to be. I want to just, you know, kick butt for the next 15 years and help grow something and be a part of something bigger than myself. And uh, this is exactly where to do it because, you know, with the complexity of the team that's behind us and, you know, there's, there's money behind it and everybody is just hyper-focused on growing a big thriving business. Um, so, you know, the reins and the shackles are off and everybody's just, you know, everybody's got what they're working on and we all come together a couple of times a week and have a meeting and, you know, make sure everybody's lined up together and then you split back off and everybody's working on what their, what their goals are. And we launched, uh, gosh, the second week of February, which was two weeks before COVID shut the world down. Yeah, that was a, a pretty daunting feeling just as we lifted off the ground. Um, but the growth you guys have had in regards to the installer network has been pretty solid. It's just been insane. We it really it's, you know, grown exponential growth right through a global pandemic, which I think the entire detailing industry did pretty well. Yeah, a lot automotive base, body shop, mechanic everybody kind of just went crazy with, you know, getting new customers onboarding and, and just everybody wanting to do something to their vehicle in general. <laughs> Even in the 2008 downturn, uh, when I had my detailing business, I skated right through that. You know, I was just, I was set up with clients who were affluent enough that they were, they, they were absolutely fine. They yeah, just wanted to clean, they just wanted to clean Mercedes to go get in. That's when I started in 2008. So I get it. Yeah, it was, I really didn't see any effect from it because I didn't know any different. So, I mean, I got through it, obviously I'm still here and running a business, but you know, when you don't know any better and you're starting during those times, you work with what you have and you feel that that's just what it is. So yeah, no, that's cool though, that you're able to get through it now with, with owner's pride, you know, being new to the market, the new guy on the block to say, even though you've got some, you know, yourself and other people who are well-seasoned in the ceramic category, um, what is the benefits? What is the, the biggest thing that makes you guys stand out uh, differently than everything else that is offered in the industry with your brand, with Owner's Pride? So back as I built a dealership program, I had learned about compliant warranties and um, which I, I didn't even really know the word compliance before that. I mean, I'd heard it, but it, I, it didn't register. But I learned of all of the legal aspects of a compliant warranty. And with our affiliation to ECP, we have one of the largest admin companies in the country that we work with. And we're able to sell all of the warranties just like you would get at a dealership, which are filed and approved in the states they need to be filed and approved in. And... Um, they're all completely compliant and legal. They have the name of the third party insurer on it. There's a 1-800 number. There's nothing, there's no nonsense that would kick a warranty to be non-compliant. Like say you have to come back every year to pay money to have something done to a car, um, which it's just kind of, it's still the wild west as far as that goes in the detailing world currently. Yeah, I was gonna ask about that because, but I'll let you continue and then we'll revisit that for that kind of thing yeah well we can jump you know and again my uh, goal is only to ever talk about what i have not about what somebody else doesn't have Correct. you know never say a, a poor word about anybody there's a lot of great products out there um but i feel if you are going to set yourself up in business for the long not for the short not to get some money right now to get that two thousand dollar job but for your long run for your business to be here in 10 years doing things that are legal and by the book and, you know, by the rules, that's just integrity and ethical business. And I know there's a lot of enforcement for warranty compliance in the dealership world because there's so much money. It's so much bigger mm -hmm. and, it, you know, centralized with an office where they have people who enforce that. Yeah. In the detail world, again, it's still kind of the wild west. You can basically take a crayon and write warranty you know, with backwards R's on a piece of paper and say, here's your warranty. And 
Well, and let's face it too, the, the person that's talking about the warranty sometimes isn't the best educated or can speak very well. So trying to explain what the terms and conditions are and what it all involves, that could kind of go sideways because they're not very educated to begin with. And they're trying, give them credit on that. But sometimes when you don't know and you try to explain it, you make things worse. And that's where it can make things sticky with the customer understanding what the warranty is from that specific manufacturer. I think also, you know, detailers over time, because of that, have sort of been shafted a little bit or, or, or stung a little bit by having a warranty claim where they kind of got the runaround maybe and ended up just, you know, doing some work on the car themselves to remedy whatever the issue might have been. And, uh, you know, with our, with what we have, you make a 1-800 number call, whether you get your coding installed in Dayton, Ohio, and you move to Saskatoon, Canada, you can call the same 1-800 number and it's going to, somebody is going to handle that warranty claim. They'll send you to somewhere to get it fixed. Um, and again, I, I'm looking to, you know, be a part of a team where we're building business for the long haul. Correct. Correct. And that's where, like you said, integrity, right? I mean, sometimes just taking it in and doing the right thing for the customer and just taking care of it. I mean, if the job is not too big and it's just a panel or a spot, why not, right? You know, you don't have to nickel and dime the customer. Then they're a return customer and that in itself, you can't put a dollar on for that kind of retention. So keeping them happy is, is the biggest goal. And those little things tend to do that. Yeah. And now what if you say you could do that and the company that you're selling the coding for actually paid you for your labor to do said work? You know, Bingo. that's even better. It's just, and I, I would like to see over time, everybody just rise up and play on the same exact level playing field and for the good of the industry and to protect all of the people that are working so hard in the industry, you know, yeah. it, it would, it'd be terrible to see somebody actually, you know, get in trouble for not doing things the right way. So I know you know, like window tint, for example, we do window tint here at the shop and we work with Lumar, which is Eastman. And they have, I mean, if they trust you and you have a warranty, you got to handle, you just submit it and they, they pay you for your time for that warranty, for the removal and the film of what was used. I mean, so there's no hassle there, no kickback, no, oh, I got to get it approved by this person, that person. It's, this is a legit warranty. I'm sending it in. This is what we got going on. Boom within a week or so or a month at most, you'll get that return for the payment of your labor and your cost of material. That is seamless. And that's where, you know, of course we should be, but that leads into what you had mentioned where understanding the warranties, right? Because let's, let's face it, the coatings, when they come with a warranty, basic warranty, it's just on performance. It's warrantying the overall performance of the product, not necessarily how it gets damaged in what shape or form, but that's where somewhere like, owner's pride where you guys being plugged in with ECP are able to take that to the next level and, and, and take care of those things, which I think that's the incentive, right? That's the extra value that you absolutely. guys are applying. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just, again, it's doing business correct and, and doing it right and setting up for long. I think over time, either somebody is going to not honor a warranty and somebody's going to report them to somewhere and the house of cards is going to fall. It's, it's, it's a ticking time bomb, really. Yeah. Crap's going to hit the fan when it comes to that. And, yeah. and then, you know, there's potential ways to help lead other, other people. If anybody is interested, you know, into becoming compliant also, because and that's just doing uh, the work on the wrong vehicle, right? You get a lawyer's vehicle that something doesn't fall through and he's heavy in knowledge for law and boom, he's taking you to the cleaners. Yeah. And, and um, the Magnuson Moss Act is kind of what, and the, and the Federal Trade Commission are what govern warranty sales, whether you're buying a warranty for headphones or a mattress or a couch or, a, you know, your ceramic coating, it's the same basic outline of rules that governs the whole thing. Now, you had mentioned earlier about, you know, not having to proceed with an annual type maintenance, obviously, for the compliance of the warranty. Mm -hmm. But would you still recommend that there's still the maintenance that's done in between? You know, because we know that customers, they have good intentions, but they don't always keep up with the way, they, the way that they can. You know, they may pay for the most premium treatment, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the most premium outcome because of their way that they care for the vehicle. So 
I mean, is there still a level of maintenance that you guys are recommending in regards to keeping up with things so performance is on point? Well, of course, you know, I, I got to ask, you know, yeah. it's not every, cause there's some people out there that I, I, I kid you not that they, I've seen it on social media and you may have seen it too, Dan, where they're just like, if this coding's so good, we don't need no maintenance. And they're yeah. telling that to their customers. And it's like, wait a sec, let's debunk this for a moment while we're on the subject. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, unfortunately some, you know, companies may market things to be a little more sensational than they are, we'll say, right? Um, again, we like to really stay based in, in reality. Now, any ceramic coating, if you drive around in the winter time, you know, you're going to notice like your paint will be dead behind the tires where the salt is kicking up and you, you know, occasionally you're gonna have to do decon wash or a lot of the um, hydrophobic properties on a car will also be from, if, you know, if there's fallout all over the car, mm -hmm. You know, it's going to, yeah, it's going to monkey with that too. Um, being as we have an entire line of uh, really efficient products. Um, and when I detailed probably about 70% of my customers would buy a maintenance kit after I did a ceramic coating or a full detail. Now, did they use it? No. Cause I'd go back a year later and that same <laughs> bucket with all the products in it and the microfiber towels folded Still just in the like trunk. I left them. <laughs> We're all just sitting there. Um, so that's the first thing, you know, we try to educate your customer and say, look, this isn't gonna stop an asteroid from scratching your paint or, you know, <laughs> doing some damage, you wash it every couple of weeks. And it even says that in owner's manual of a car, you know, you're supposed to wash them every couple of weeks. And so we try to educate the people and occasionally it's like you said, it's going to get clogged perhaps. And you do a decon wash and everything pops right back out. We have a really cool product called spotless. Um, that's a, a light acid and it's safe on glass, but that seems to be what really just can pop a coating right back out, right back to life. Yeah. And you know, not to get too technical, but I remember uh, Ivan, right. Doing a, it was a write-up or a video or something in regards to, traditional wheel acid diluted properly and used properly let's state that used properly uh could also you know fit in that same category of treatment to say um yeah. now i'm not going to speak on how because i know people listen they're like oh i got wheel acid i could just give this a try and i don't want that to happen because there could be some very bad things that come with that as well <laughs> um, yeah but yeah no having that acid kind of mixture to say your formulation is a huge help for i've noticed kind of resetting the surface value of the characteristics of the coating yeah and that's why we brought spotless to the market was because we didn't want people mixing hydrofluoric or ammonium bifluoride which is a derivative of you know and just willy-nilly out there shooting acid all over because yeah. that, that's that is dangerous yeah. and it, it builds cumulatively in your bones and, Ooh, and yeah and you breathe it in or putting it in your phone cannon and going at it i've seen people actually do that yeah they're oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> it's bad enough when you spray it and you get the wind coming the wrong way right back into your face and it takes your breath away but damn you're just asking for it anything else <laughs> i don't know how many times i've done that out you know being mobile and breathed in a mist of ammonium bifluoride acid so terrible uh, so Give me the product lineup. Let me know where you guys are at right now with, you know, you know, again, being since last February and your, your lineup is, is unique and boutique to say. So what does that lineup consist of right now? Well, the kind of the center of our universe and um, what really makes a lot of sense with half of the country and being drying up right now is um, our eco wash. Uh, it's a rinseless wash. It, it's an incredible product. It's dilutable at 512 to one, which oh, is actually too efficient in my opinion as a chemical salesperson. Um, but we use it on the inside of our house, on the wood floors, amazing on stainless steel. Like it'll take all those streaks right off. Um, you can use it on the outside of your car. It's pH balanced at seven. So you can use it on carpets and it's not gonna you know, turn brown or get crispy and re-attract dirt as if you had too high or too low of a pH product. Mm -hmm. um, you, you can put it in your extractor. Um, it, it's, it is a really great product. 
good a good center of the universe for any detailing business nice and what else is there in regards to the lineup well you don't have to go too far in depth in them but just kind of top on the surface is more of a bullet point yeah a really great uh uh, ceramic drying aid that we have um a ceramic spray uh, a stackable sio2 spray ceramic detail spray probably my favorite product in the line it's um it smells good and it's just, it's really amazing. It's really my favorite. Um, and we're constantly working to develop and expand our line with, with the partners that we have. So it's just getting started. We launched a new website and a complete rebranding yesterday, just a year and a half. I did in. see that. I do like the, the, the rebranding with everything that looks really nice. Yeah. We, um, we switched gears to, a you know, a second marketing company that's a much larger entity and, you know, really uh, with our success that we had and really are putting the pedal to the metal to go, you know, get over the next hill. Very nice. Now with the coatings that you guys are offering, what's in the lineup for that? Um, so we're bringing all the new programs that I are just launching right now, but there's the, the car, you know, vehicles with a seven year, a three year and a five year and a one year, which the other year are going to hop on here real soon, but it's a seven year warranty right now and a gotcha. three year and a one year. And these are yeah. single layer applications? Yes. Yeah. We, our focus is on helping build a business and spending more time taking your money to the bank and less time walking around the car, putting coatings on it. I like it. I yeah. like it a lot. And, you know, if you have a compliant real warranty that's backing everything and it's truly going to cover everything that warranty says you know then you're you're good to go you're covered nice. um we just are dropping right now an rv program which is a full compliant warranty so this is going to open the door up to new channels of detailing that we haven't even touched yet so an rv a boat um a, i believe there's a dent and ding there's a, a glass warranty with a, a three and a five year term um, with an, uh, I, I believe that it's a $2,500 aggregate and a $5,000 aggregate that includes resetting the sensors in your, uh, in your lights, which is really oh, wow. expensive on its own part. That's very cool. Yeah. So that lineup, I mean, at that point, I mean, you've got everything covered in regards to the short term to the long term, of course, that way the customers that maybe just want to get their feet wet, because I still see it. I mean, there's customers that are still not fully aware what a ceramic is, even though they're now coming in and asking versus, gosh, 2013, 2012, when they didn't even know what that was. Um, it was snake oil to them, right? <laughs> but now that they're asking, it, it gives them an advantage that they want to get into a one year, which is, I think, a good sweet spot for them to understand the characteristics and see what it's all about. That way they don't have a major investment, but at the same time, they got their feet wet. So a year passes, they could come back and revisit a reapplication of something better or the same. It's a, it's a gateway coating. There you go. I like <laughs> it. <laughs> gateway coating. No, I've seen, I've, I've seen a lot of good uh, content as far as videos and feedback in regards to the network of installers who are using the owner pride, owner's pride product uh, line, uh, especially with the ceramic. So, it's definitely a very positive thing that I'm watching happen in the industry. And it's with being the new guys on the block, it's, it's really nice to see that you guys are getting that kind of positive feedback. Yeah. The, our installer network is our lifeblood. Um, and so from businesses who are long and established that work with us to, you know, new guys starting out that we can help guide um, without them. We'd just be sitting in a warehouse full of a whole bunch of chemicals. <laughs> Hopefully with mask on. So you're not inhaling all those chemicals. <laughs> um, so what's, what's the 2021 year look like? I know with opening back up and us having SEMA on the horizon, are you guys one going to be attending SEMA and having a booth? And two, is there going to be some new products, which you don't have to mention what they are, but is there going to be some new products that people could look forward to seeing at, at the SEMA event if you attend? Yeah. So, um, the Southern Detailers Conference, which uh, we were just at a couple couple weeks ago, yeah, three weeks ago, crazy how time flies. 
Um, that was our very first trade show, and we had a brand new booth made. Uh, we will be at Mobile Tech Expo in Vegas. Uh, Eric and myself are doing a, a warranty compliance talk at that, also called a nice. warranty compliance, just the facts. And we will also be at SEMA. Um, neat how SEMA has a brand new show floor, uh, new hall built. Um, because even being a new company, we are on the main show floor for our first year. And That's usually it takes years to get there. It does. So. Yeah. You've got to be a veteran. You've got to be in there. You got to, yeah, all these stipulations that they had. But I remember that place being built. You know, that's what they used to do the the aftermath drive out of SEMA into that parking lot. That's and where it is? Yeah, that's the new building. So they used to always have, I forget what it was called, like, ah, oh, there's, a, there's a title for it that they have every year where they all the vehicles drive out and then there's a big parking lot get together with, you know, some of the um, automotive celebrities um, and, you know, just doing a big thing over there. And they took that parking lot and that's where they started the build out of the new building. And it's huge absolutely huge so it should be a nice setup especially with it being fresh new everything man so i'm i'm just beyond pleased that we were able to make it onto the main show floor i was i was so not looking forward to being in a hall that was two miles over that way with you know next to a outdoor truck company and you know something that was not relevant really at all yeah and if you've talked to people in the past, you know, it's not a lot of foot traffic and most people are very unhappy with the locations when they're new. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we're, so we know, you know, we're here to play and we're here to stay and we're, do, we're pulling out, pulling all the stops. So we're hitting the trade shows. You know, if you want to compete, you got to get out there and compete with everybody. You can't just. Yeah. 100%. You got, if you're looking to want to be on the platform in general, you got to show up to these kind of shows for sure. Now, you have anything you guys are going to be launching that's going to be kind of new and exciting for, for SEMA? Anything in the works? Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff in the works. All I can Good. do is smile, though. I, um... Good. That's, that's all we need. Just But that, that gives light at the end of the tunnel, right? That gives the network to be like, ooh, I got to go to SEMA. That's the other thing, right? Get them to the show for networking in general, but also being able to come visit you guys at the booth. Yeah, again, you know, with with the guys that are on this team, they're just so focused on growing a business. Um, it's it's just really refreshing and fun. It's so fun to be a part of um, because it's just constant pedal to the metal. That's awesome. It's very cool. Well, as far as time goes, we're right up on that time frame. Do you have any last words of advice that you could give any of the detailers or viewers in regards to business detail and you name it, just something that they could take away from you? Well, um, <laughs> so I do a podcast also, and it's called the Owner's Pride Podcast. And it kind of pigeonholes me sometimes into maybe, maybe you're listening to this and you think, well, I don't use Owner's Pride products, so I wouldn't listen to it. But honestly, I try to uh, really bring information that is going to be helpful and beneficial to the entire detailing community. And it's not just... Um, jamming products down people's throat type of a podcast. I mean, I've had um, people on there from investments to talk about uh, retirement, which is a really hot point for me. And a lot of the young guys and a lot of the detailers in general who are not, they don't have an IRA and they're not saving any money up for their future. And while there's no advantage in me telling people or helping guide them to do so, um, it's just very meaningful to me because I want them to look back when they retire and I'll probably be dead. If you're 20 years old right now and you start an IRA and I help kick you in that direction, by the time you start taking money out of it, I'm probably going to be dead, but you're going to look back and you're going to think that little bald headed bastard was all right. So it's things like that. Um, marketing companies, you know, we stay agnostic to whoever our network of installers use. So I try to bring a lot of the different companies who do marketing and sales help and the CRMs so they can all make their presentation to the people because if you set yourself up for success, again, that's how you have to do it for the long haul. And I really just want to see people succeed. I love that approach. That's nice. You're absolutely right. It's not and that's, you know, just like this podcast, it's not about the brand. I mean, that helps to capture a certain audience, but it's the person that's in front of us and the information and the story they're telling 
that's the value. That's what makes the difference because there's a different perspective. Just because they play for one team doesn't mean they're not playing for the big picture. And that's what we're all here for, for our industry. And we just have different perspectives and different approaches to that, which there's nothing wrong with. I mean, that's the whole point, right? If we all did it the same way, it'd be kind of it'd be boring and just numbing. <laughs> you know, and, and if you, if you see me at SEMA or one of these shows and we have not spoken, what I just realized is there's so many people in the industry while I was at my last company, I was really kept my blinders on and just kind of focused on my own company. Right. And so I was walking by the booth across from us at the Southern detailers conference and the Andy B cool guy was there. Yep. And so we kind of like both head nodded at each other. And then I, I stopped and I backed up and I was just like, Hey man, I've seen you around for years, but we've never met. My name is Dan Williams. And you know, just, um, say hello say hello you know i can't unreal that i can see people for years and years at trade shows and i've never even said hello to them you know who we're at the end of the day we're all really doing the same thing trying to grow a company and trying to help other people grow their company at, at the same time yeah no that's a perfect statement because that happens a lot whether it be social media or all of us who go to shows all the time sometimes we just have our blinders on and we're go 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 and, and it kind of gets away from us from being able to just, just stop and say, hey, for a moment. Yeah, nice there's a lot of great you. people out there. Yep, there is. Well, cool, Dan. Well, thank you for being on. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time, your story. Uh, and of course, everything you've done with the industry and what you're doing now in the direction of, you know, taking owner's pride and helping out with, the, you know, with the legit warranty side of our industry and being, you know, very instrumental with that. So thank you. And thank you, uh, Everybody who is at home watching, again, this is Reflection Artist Live, episode number 34 with Dan Williams. So, Dan, I appreciate it. To all the guys at Owner's Pride, thank you as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Well, you have a great day. And everybody who had the opportunity to listen, watch, or at a later date, watch, thank you again. And take care. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in this week to Reflection Artist Live. We hope you had fun and learned something new. If you missed an episode or are looking for more, check us out on our social media or podcast platforms. And join us next week when we have another amazing guest. Don't miss it. We'll be talking business, life, and detailing. Also, don't forget to check out BuffAndShine.com for a variety of buffing pads and accessories for your detailing arsenal.